This is the Airline Weekly Lounge Podcast. My name is Jay Shabbat, your host. My colleague, Ned Russell, is out this week, but I'm joined again by Madhu Unakrishnan. And today we're going to be talking about Air Canada and its recent earnings report. We also have a discussion about the San Francisco airline market. Please note that you're receiving this a little bit late, uh, if only because our company was on a retreat last week. And we'll be back on a normal schedule uh, going forward. Thanks and enjoy. Hi, Madhu. Welcome back to the Lounge Podcast. Good to uh, talk with you again. Hey there, Jay. It's great to be back in my old stamping grounds. Um, I'm glad to see you and talk to you. In case, for those of you listening at home uh, or listening to this podcast, we are actually looking at each other on Zoom. So uh, it's great to see you again, Jay. Yeah, uh, likewise, Madhu. And um, yeah, looking forward to, as always, talk airlines with you. And so we're going to start by talking uh, about an airline to uh, to the north of where we are in the United States. Now, we, I should say, we're on opposite ends of the coast here. I'm over in New Jersey. And Madhu, you want to share your uh, location or perhaps it's undisclosed? Perhaps you're... <laughs> it is not <laughs> undisclosed. I am in something i'm in sunny san francisco which is a rare thing for those of you know who've ever heard of um may gray we are it's actually a sunny day here very nice yeah i think we have both both uh weather nice weather on both ends of the coast here which is which is great so okay well it's a good day to talk about air canada that's the sub first subject of our discussion today now i'll start by reading some uh numbers for everyone as i usually do so air canada had a uh, pretty good first quarter of uh 2023 they um they opened the year uh, by losing just a tiny bit of money at the operating level, they actually had uh, an uh, official net profit, um, take out some special, uh, special items, accounting, you know, kind of, uh, one-off items. And they did, did lose a little bit of money there. But, but if you think about operating margin, it was zero point, negative 0.3%. So now that, if that, if that sounds, uh, you know, you might, uh, hear that and say, well, how could a loss be a good thing? Well, it's the first quarter in Canada, and the first quarter in Canada tends to be very weak. Uh, so for them, a very mild loss is actually a very good thing. And that sets them up nicely to have a, uh, a should should set them nicely, uh, set them up nicely to have a pretty good year. So that's, um, you know, especially considering that uh, transatlantic traffic, which they're, we're, you know, they have a lot of exposure to. That should be very strong, as we've talked about on previous podcasts. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's um, you know, just just to start, that's a little bit about Air Canada. Um, do you yeah. any thoughts on uh, you know, where they where they stand? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the first quarter in Canada, as you mentioned, is a very uh, well, it's a it's a it's tends to be a trough in across the northern hemisphere, but particularly in Canada, um, and. Uh, so it, it was surprising to see, surprising rather, to see these numbers and to see how well they're doing. Um, now, Jay, I just was curious about, uh, uh, there are a couple of things I wanted to, to sort of dive into. And one is um, how, um, how, how the airline's positioning for the summer. I mean, every airline in North America is banking on the transatlantic to be sort of the, the white knight for the summer. Um, and... Um, and probably in many cases exceeding 2019, um, they're they're throwing a lot of capacity, uh, you know, to East Coast London, East, and then even East Coast uh, secondary cities in Europe. Um, so how how 
Have you seen any of the preliminary numbers up for Air Canada for this this coming summer, the the peak season across yeah. the, across the pond? Right. Well, in their earnings call, they uh, just like you might expect, based on what other North American airlines have said, they uh, they seem to be very very optimistic um, based on their bookings so far. Transatlantic looks good, as as you might expect, um, and I think that's uh, you know perhaps more surprising or, um, you know, maybe not surprising may not be the right word, but, you know, something that's maybe a little bit less talked about is that uh, Asia for them, which uh, that's mm-hmm. a lot of capacity, that's coming back too. Now, not universally, China is still, you know, rather uh, capacity constricted. Um, so you don't have as much traffic, uh, traffic there uh, as you did before the pandemic, for sure. But, um, you know, a market like Korea, even Japan, I think is starting to come back for them. Um, they do have exposure to South America as well. That doesn't necessarily peak in the third quarter, but um, I think all around, um, it's a pretty bullish outlook. Right. Now, uh, the uh, side. before the t- pandemic, I mean, Air Canada built a tidy little business with connect, uh, one-stop connections from the U.S. to um, to Europe via Toronto and um, through to Asia via Vancouver. And both those airports, as we know, have... Um, are, are su- super convenient connections, are close physically connections, and mo- most importantly, they have the pre-clearance facility. Uh, so U.S. passengers can clear customs in um, Vancouver, Toronto, and then go on, go their merry way to wherever their their final destination in the U.S. is. Um, did Air Canada give you any color on what it's seeing with connections, um, as you mentioned, with Asia, uh, presumably over Vancouver or uh, transatlantic over Toronto? Yeah, so they have three uh, very important uh, connecting gateways, which is you know kind of unusual for an airline of that size right. to have three. But Canada is kind of an unusual geography. It's a uh, you know not a lot of people live in the country, but they're all kind of spread out across this you know vast continent, um, particularly on the you know the southern southern portion of the continent or of the country. Um, so the they have Vancouver, as you mentioned, which is a you know great great Pacific hub, and even you know not bad if you're coming from the Western U.S. and need to go to Europe. I mean, it's sure. Vancouver works for that as well. Um, but you're right, it's it's more of a Pacific hub. And then they have Montreal, and then they have their biggest hub of all, which is Toronto. And all those work really, really well for what we call six freedom traffic, where you have people originating in one country, going to some other country, passing through the, hub, the third yeah. country, which in this case is Canada. So that's been a very instrumental. In, now, remember... Air Canada was a bankrupt airline in 04, 05, you know, if you yeah. go back 20, 20 something years. So, and, and then they really turned things around. Um, and uh, they actually almost went bankrupt again in 09 during the global financial crisis. But the 2010s are pretty good for them. Uh, you know, not, they, they weren't, you know, margin superstars, so to speak, but, um, but, the, but, you know, very solidly profitable. And a big reason why. Is, uh, is, is as you alluded to, Madhu, the, uh, that sixth freedom traffic, that stuff that they originate, particularly in the U.S., passing through their, their three, one of their three hubs over to Europe or to Asia and, and vice versa. You know, people coming from Europe to the U.S. via Toronto, via Montreal. Um, they also have, uh, you know, a lot of unique traffic. Uh, one interesting thing they said in their call is that uh, the fact that Canada has so many immigrants as it, just as a percentage of the population, they have all these people with, uh, you know, connections overseas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they all have a large, uh, you know, European, po- French population, for example, in, 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 Ca- in Montreal. And so that allows them to add 
routes that maybe another airline, maybe a U.S. airline, for example, wouldn't be able to. Um, you know, they do things like, uh, or at least they at one time did, um, you know, Montreal to Casablanca, Morocco, and, um, uh, you know, th- unique uh, unique flights like that that they can get away with. So that's yeah. that's a big, you know, big advantage for them as well. And a lot of, I mean, the, and India is a big Absolutely. market for them um, just because of the large number of South Asian, people of South Asian descent in, in Canada. But, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Air Canada has always struck me as somewhat interesting, especially after it emerged from bankruptcy, because the home, it's home, it punches slightly above its weight. I mean, it has these, it has three gateways, right? As you mentioned, three big gateways. It has a pretty wide ranging network, but it's home market is only what 25 to 30 million people yeah a little um, over 30 i mean it's yeah it's small right it's, it's about it's a tenth about, of the size of the u.s yeah exactly it's about the size of metropolitan tokyo um mm-hmm. meanwhile as you said there's 330 million people to just over the border and 90 percent of canada's 30 million people live within 50 miles of the border so um i mean the 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 engine of their success has been the six freedom flights if i'm not mistaken uh, so uh, I'm, it's interesting to see that that's coming back and that they're bullish on the um, the transatlantic over the summer. Now I had a, did have a question for you, and I'm you know people who've heard me on this podcast, I've recorded something like 200 of these podcasts with Jay and with Ned and various guests, uh, and so I will uh, I'm going to pivot again to my favorite thing, which is spokes critters, and that and my favorite little raccoon, Mr. Porter. Um, how is Air Canada uh, ferry, fe- fending off? I mean, Transat is trying to make itself into a national carrier. WestJet has had some problems recently, and most recently a strike today, uh, or be- which began yesterday. Rather, we're recording this on Monday, May or Tuesday, May sixteenth, um, and uh, um, and of course. Mr. Porter and his merry band of raccoons on and Porter. I mean, what Porter, you know, expanding from its turbo jets or turbo props into uh, into regional jets. Um, so all of this is in a very small market, as we said, 30 million people. How how I guess the it's a two part question for you, Jay. One is how is Air Canada reacting to it and how is its domestic operation fairing and b can a market the size of canada sustain now one two three four national carriers Mm. last question first no probably (laughs) not um but more so yeah i don't i don't think air canada is terribly fearful of the raccoon or any of its other uh competitors domestically domestic for them is just not that big of the revenue pie it's important for sure and those, you know, transcontinental journeys in particular take up a lot of ASM. So that's, you know, that's meaningful. Um, but I think they've always, for a long time, you know, if you go back to the days but, but, that I alluded to earlier, when Air Canada was bankrupt and they were struggling, you know, in, in, the, in the early 2000s, um, WestJet really was a very, very difficult competitor. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of eased somewhat more recently. WestJet has sort of pulled back. Out of the east, they're they're focused more on Western Canada. Um, Porter, you're right; they're now doing you know mainline jets, um, so they're you know maybe some more competitive pressure there. There are a few smallish, low cost carriers that are kind of prowling the area. Some of them already financially distressed after you know not too long being in business, um, like Flare, so, for example. Like for example, so yeah. <laughs> it's not. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's something that really keeps Air Canada up at night. I mean, at the same time as all this is happening, 
Air Canada recently uh, formed a trans-border joint venture with United Airlines, um, which you have to believe is very powerful. They've been trying to do that for a long time. And originally, regulators didn't allow it. Um, and, you know, more recently, they, they, they've finally got that to go. So they have that. And then they have, you know, their, their transatlantic joint venture with United and Lufthansa is in that as well. Um, so that's, I think, you know, really where they have also their loyalty program is, um, has a lot of momentum now. They always had this real deal back when they were in financial distress back in that period I mentioned earlier. They were kind of backed into a corner where they had to sell their, their loyalty plan or, or a portion of it. And they regretted it every, you know, for, for years afterwards. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, just a couple of years ago, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, they were able to buy that back. So they have full control of it now. Um, they're growing it. They spoke very, you know, encouragingly about it in the earnings call. So loyalty program, you know, put a, put a, you know, a plus there. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of things kind of going their way. I don't think that, uh, you know, they're really, some of this new competition is really that, that concerning. Um, and, you know, we'll see how, how long it lasts. You know, the Air Transit is an interesting competitor because they are doing, you know, they're really the only ones, WestJet's doing a little bit, but Air Transit's the only one really competing, uh, you know, to Europe, but they're kind right. of, their business model is kind of different. You know, they're, they, you know, more tour operator based, more seasonal. Air Canada started this thing called Rouge, which was sort of designed to compete against that. They, you know, altered the business model a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't think, I mean, it gets a lot of headlines, all this new competition, but, um, not sure that it's really a big deal. Would you agree with that, Madhu? I think that's, um, you know, so, that's I mean, my it's assessment clear, anyway. It's clearly the dominant carrier and all these other ones are new. Yeah. And, you know, especially since WestJet has, as you said, retreated back to its Western roots. Uh, right. Uh, it's, it, it seems like these other carriers are sort of nibbling at the, the edges of Air Canada. Yeah, um, I, I I think Transat might be an interesting one to watch as it uh, as it continues on this strategic pivot of it. Whether it's successful or not, I'm I'm not one to you know. It's not for me to say or yeah. To and, predict, and don't but, forget, sorry to interject, my dude, but I was like, don't forget that Air Canada actually was going to merge with Air. They actually right. they had a deal to buy Air Transat, but it fell apart. Because while well, the pandemic came, but I think even separate from that, they had some regulatory resistance from the European Union. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, I just I just threw that in there. They 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 wanted to own that. <laughs> you yeah, can see, right. you know, perhaps they that is right. Saw it as a threat to to uh, you know that they could dispose of by buying it, but that's still there. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Air then, Canada. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was going to say this is also Air Canada. I mean, it has a pretty new management team in place. Um, Callan uh, Ravanesk. I always mispronounce his name. Ra- I won't try. Kellen Ravanescu stepped down, I believe, last year, right? And um, and his his management team is pre- the new CEO's management team is all pretty new. So this is this is a, an interesting pip. I mean, it's sort of a. I guess the last few months have been a test case of how this new management team will will do, and it looks like they've delivered. So far, so good, I think. Yeah, so far, so good. And uh, yeah, just, you know, one quarter doesn't, uh, you know, tell the whole story. They, they've got to prove themselves over the course of the, of the year. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, so far, so good. So with that, um, let's change subjects and talk about uh, a market that uh, you're familiar with. <laughs> um, it's uh, some of you may have heard of it. It's a city called San Francisco. 
And uh, what's going on in San Francisco? Is the, how's the airport doing over there? So the airport is lovely. Uh, uh, during the it is. I mean, during the pandemic, uh, as many of you know, and uh, the Terminal One, which had been home to JetBlue and Southwest, um, and was completely refurbished, and it's now this beautiful terminal, um, the Harvey Milk Terminal. Uh, the whole airport got sort of a gloss up, and it, it looks great. So that there's that. Um, but you know, before as as we know, we've talked about before in years past, Jay. I mean, San Francisco had was a gateway to Asia, and you know had m- multiple flights from China, particularly China. Um, there were seemingly always full. I mean, the little the little <clears throat> the you know sort of like. Uh, joke around you know that the united's apple shuttle to to shanghai with 48 business class seats booked out every day i mean that was that was like that was a money spinner for united and for the chinese carriers that served the same route um so that's pretty much vanished those right? days and are gone those days are gone um and you know all the u.s carriers are, are flying just a handful of flights from the u.s to china i forget the exact number but it's like but like three or four or something. It's really small, right? Um, and we, so there's there's that. And the inbound t- tourism from Asia is still lagging um, from the pandemic. I mean, Japan is, has reopened, but is, outbound tourism has been slow. China reopened in January or lifted its COVID restrictions in January, but outbound tourism has been slow to, to return. So... Um, you know, and and on top of it, the home market, if you has been suffering from pretty terrible PR recently, the word doom loop and doom cycle keep getting thrown about about sense about. Apparently, you, you you live in a uh, a hellscape over there. It's a, yes, a you, dy- uh, it's a dystopia. A dystopia. <laughs> run through zombies to get to my car. I mean, it, it's just it's don't believe what you read, but the the reality is, um, you know. This, the city's economy is dominated by tech and um, tech embraced remote work during the pandemic and people have been very slow to re- return to the office so the downtown San, so that there are fewer business trips come originating in San Francisco people you know spread all over and working remotely um, so it it's it's a um, it's a challenged market now Jay you've had the actual ASM numbers at your fingertips right? What I have in front of me is Sirium DO uh, figures for um, San Francisco Airport in the current quarter, so it's April to June, and flights are still the number of flight departing flights still down eighteen percent versus the same quarter of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, seats down fifteen percent, ASMs down thirteen percent. So yeah, st- we're, we're still you know a double digit. Oh, we're still down by double digits versus pre pandemic. Um, so clearly. Uh, you know, San Francisco, as you mentioned, has an Asia problem still, and it potentially, we don't know how, you know, if it's something, how long lasting it is, or if it's permanent, but it seems to have a tech problem as well. You know, tech people are not traveling as much because, uh, you know, I, you know, one, one thing some people say is that, uh, if people aren't working in offices anymore, as much anymore, who do you go visit when you go on a business trip? You know, it's 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 hard to it may it may not be as conducive to business travel. You know, if you go over to uh, oh, let me go to uh, you know to down to Austin to uh, to visit some of my work colleagues, but they don't work in an office anymore, so it gets harder to coordinate and stuff. So I you know I've heard that critique as well. 
people maybe, you know, I know Amazon, I mean, up in Seattle anyway, has uh, brought their people back to to the office. So maybe it's temporary, maybe it's permanent. We don't know. But, you know, also uh, some of the marquee companies based here, Meta, um, for example, um, Google, even Apple, um, Salesforce have laid off tens of thousands of people. So right. so there's there are fewer people working. And there was sort of a hope during the pandemic um, that, uh, you know, people had re- relocated places like Boise or um, for the skiing or elsewhere in the Mountain West or even Hawaii and were working remotely and would fly in. The hope was as travel started to recover, people, you know, uh, there, there was a lot of talk about people flying back to the home office in Mountain View, which is in Silicon Valley or elsewhere in the greater Bay Area for a week a month. And that would beef up traffic. And I think we saw a glimmer of that. I remember United saying um, there was there was increased traffic from un- non-traditional places like Boise and Kalispell and um, and even um, Hawaii. But that seems to have tapered off a little bit. I think part of it is layoffs. Part of it is um, maybe people moved back elsewhere in the States and found other jobs. I mean, I, it's really – there are competing theories if you read the local media. So um, be curious to see how, how this plays out. Yeah, no, well, it'll be interesting. I mean, that's uh, San Francisco's – in some ways, kind of, I don't want to say a metaphor for other markets with a lot of tech, but, uh, you know, if, uh, if business comes back there, business travel, tech travel come back there, that kind of bodes well for a lot of other markets across the world. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I guess Although we'll, I, I am, I am really doubtful that, that the volume of China trav traffic between SFO, SFO and China, I, I'm really doubtful that that will come back anytime soon. I'm equally doubtful. I believe that's uh, yesterday's news. Yeah. Yeah. Very good, Madhu. Well, always great talking uh, the industry with you. And uh, we'll uh, we'll have Ned back next week. And uh, like I said, we uh, we really need to get the three of us on here together. We have to, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have to uh, arrange that. Yeah. Well, Jay, thank you very much for having me on. It was great to be back on the uh, Airline Weekly Lounge. And uh, I will... Um, With that, I will sign off. Goodbye. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.